What's going on? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It is heard live every day from noon to three on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content like invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with all the links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And again, thank you so much for your support. Also underway, not just this second hour of the program, but also underway is the um, the Fannie Willis hearing down in Fulton County. These are, I guess, the closing arguments that are getting ready to be held. Let me uh, exhibits have been admitted. Okay, Feel free to make the judge. Arguments you, you would like. Okay, and if in fact it turns out that I do need those to be part of the record to make a decision, then we'd have to come back and we will do those in accordance with the rules of evidence. Mr. Gilmer, we have a, and we have not filed anything, but we also have a proper witness that we would like to call in the event the court does open the evidence up. I can make an oral proffer as to who that witness is and what that witness would be. Boring. Why are you boring everybody? (laughs) That's a Homer Simpson line. Anyway, uh, I'll keep an eye on this. If it actually uh, starts up and they actually do start doing the closing arguments here, um, maybe we'll kind of dip in and out of it like a polar plunge. Here's a guy who probably does polar plunges, Vladimir Putin. Do you think he does a couple? I mean, maybe not so much anymore, but I, Putin seems like the kind of guy that used to do, like in his prime, he'd probably do the polar plunges while wrestling a bear, you know, stuff like that. Anyway, He's getting into the uh, the migrant trafficking biz. Old Pooty Poot is. Russia is using private militias to control and to weaponize immigration into Europe. This is according to the UK Telegraph. The Kremlin has influence over a number of the main routes into the continent, and border police are warning that with the arrival of spring... Russia is likely to intensify its efforts to move migrants. It has been widely feared that Vladimir Putin is using the tactic to destabilize Europe. Well, wait a minute. I thought diversity was our strength. Let's go. Wait, hang, hang on a second. Wait a minute. Are you suggesting that foreign countries could use immigration in order to destabilize a country? Whoa, if true. The Telegraph has now seen intelligence documents detailing plans for Russian agents to set up a, quote, 15,000-man strong border police force. Sorry, a 15,000-man strong border police force comprising uh, former militias in Libya to control the flow of migrants. And when I say the name of one of these militias, it's going to ring a bell. The Wagner Group. Remember them? Yeah, they've been hanging out in Africa for a while. And remember, they, they did the, the, the march onto Moscow because they were upset about, I think, like not getting paid, you know? Um, and so they rolled to, uh, towards Moscow and met like zero resistance and embarrassed Putin. And then they were like, uh, yeah, we're, we're not going to totally take over anything. We, now let's talk. Let's talk it out. And then they like agreed to something. They pulled back and then Putin whacked 
the leader of the Wagner Group, right? A security source said, quote, if you can control the migrant routes into Europe, then you effectively control elections because you can restrict or flood a certain area with migrants in order to influence public opinion at a crucial time. So think about this, right? If you are trying to destabilize a country and influence an election, it seems like this would work if you don't like the incumbent. So let's say, for example, Putin doesn't like Joe Biden, which we don't know if that's true because Putin said he'd prefer Biden to win over Trump. So let's say he prefers Biden, though. Um, Because he prefers Biden, he could then... Let's say they control the migrant trafficking into America instead of Europe. Let's say they're, you know, they were working on the, the trafficking routes into America. The idea here is, from a tactical standpoint, you, uh, you flood the country before the election in order to turn public opinion against the incumbent, who would then be seen as weak on border security, especially if you're able to send in terrorists, right? If you're able to smuggle people in that are trained operatives who can destabilize a society from the inside, which I suspect there are probably already hundreds, if not thousands, of these types of people in our own country. By the way, they just busted a whole bunch of Chinese uh, military-aged dudes up at the Canadian border a couple days ago. Saw the report this morning. Um, A security source... uh, Oh, I already read that. Sorry. If you can control the migrant routes. All right. Next up. It comes as migration is said to be a key issue in the general election. A failure to control the number of migrants coming to the United Kingdom is already seen as a major weakness for Rishi Sunak, who is struggling to push through a scheme to deport illegal migrants to Rwanda to stop the flow of small boats across the channel. This is not just happening in America, right? This mass asylum migration is occurring all over the world, but mainly going into Western societies. Oh, okay. Hang on a second. Let's join the uh, Fannie Willis thing here. This looks like closing arguments. By way of roadmap, uh, to give you some idea about the allocation of time and what I'm going to be covering, uh, uh, I've been charged with talking to Your Honor about the conflict issue and the appearance of the conflict uh, and what we believe the evidence to show on that issue. Uh, Mr. Sadow, um, Mr. Gillum will be talking more about the forensic misconduct piece of it. Sadow is uh, Trump's attorney. Ms. Willis's church speech, uh, statements made to the media, uh, fraud on the court, frankly, and um, the book that she gave several interviews for. Um, so I won't be discussing any of those issues. So if, you, if you'd like to ask me, certainly I can try to address them, but that's that's going to be the focus of their uh, presentation. And then uh, towards the end, other folks uh, may have uh, issue-specific type arguments, uh, either in follow-up to mine or the forensic misconduct. But those are the two lanes um, that we're going to be covering, but I'm going to do the conflict piece of it for you. And on that issue, uh, Your Honor, um, this is a matter of first impression uh, in Georgia. Uh, I can't find a single case uh, that's been published um, by the Court of Appeals or the Supreme Court that is based on these facts. Ooh. Um, there are, of course, a number of different this uh, is precedent. court cases that deal with conflict-related issues and, more importantly, appearance of conflict-related uh-huh. issues. And uh, some of those are based in state law. Some of them are based on the ethical rules that govern lawyers. Um, some of them are based on the Sixth Amendment right. 
uh, to due process that's implicit in all of what we're doing here today. I want to remind the court that we're here today on this motion to disqualify uh, D.A. Willis and her office because uh, of her judgment, um, frankly. Uh, she is supposed to be disinterested under the Sixth Amendment, and she's anything but that. Uh, the fact that these proceedings have taken this long uh, and through, through the convoluted way we've, we've made it here today explain that. Um, so as I present my arguments, I want the court to understand that this court uh, represents the guardrails for the Sixth Amendment in this context, and Ms. Willis has already been disqualified once. So I, I would encourage the court to uh, remember what Judge McBurney did uh, in his order disqualifying. Um, th the same argument was made in that case as to whether or not there needs to be an actual uh, conflict of interest or whether or not the appearance of a conflict of interest uh, might uh, be sufficient uh, under the facts. I want to make clear to the court that I, I the law in Georgia suggests and is very clear that we can demonstrate an appearance of a conflict of interest, and that is sufficient. Mm. Uh, there are, there is. I'm going to be candid with the court. There is a Supreme Court decision from 1996, Lambie State, and then there are two court of appeal decisions after that that deal, uh, it, and frankly, in some dicta that suggests that an actual conflict um, is required. But this, the Supreme Court of Georgia, since those decisions. Uh, came down has made quite clear that the appearance of a conflict standard still applies. And the reason that's important is I think under the Sixth Amendment, which is where we're, we're at, um, in order to preserve the defendant's um, rights under that, uh, under that provision and under corollary provisions of Georgia law, you've got, you've got to consider the appearance of a conflict. All right. So we are underway. I don't know. Do you want to, should, I don't know, should we keep on listening to this? Or, or should I just like go and do like the entire stack of show prep that I've been building for the last week that's an inch thick and I haven't gotten to? All right. Hey, maybe you have heard by now DraftKings Sportsbook is coming to North Carolina. It's coming soon, on March 11th to be exact. DraftKings is one of America's top-rated sportsbooks with same-game parlays, money lines, and props. The best features like odds boost and live betting and social betting groups where you can share your bets with your friends in real time. DraftKings is safe, it's secure and reliable and best of all you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want and it all starts on March 11th. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and then place your bets on your favorite sports once it goes live and again it goes live on March 11th. And now here's the disclaimer. Gambling problem? Call 877-718-5543 or visit morethanagame.nc.gov. 21 plus, North Carolina only. Eligibility restrictions apply, subject to regulatory licensing requirements, and see terms at draftkings.com slash sportsbook slash nc. Uh, going back and forth here between Pooty Poot and uh, Fanny. Um... No, I feel fine. No GI issues here. Um, just, uh, no, uh, Vladimir Putin. Uh, I call him Pooty Poot. And, uh, well, he seems less scary. Like, like he seems like a guy who would not blow up an entire apartment building of innocent people in order to win an election. He seems like he wouldn't do that when you call him Pooty Poot, you know? Um, so there's that. So there's that. He's uh, weaponizing immigration in an effort to destabilize Europe. And uh, uh, we also have Fanny um, in Fulton County. The uh, closing arguments essentially are underway in the hearing to get her removed. And the first lawyer is up there talking about uh, the conflict. And that's all he's focusing on right now. And uh, over the break, he talked about how uh, there are enough facts that we know 
that show there is the, at the very least, an appearance of conflict. And that is sufficient. An appearance of conflict is sufficient. And in Georgia, state Supreme Court rulings have held that if even the appearance of conflict uh, are evident, if it is evident that there's an appearance there, then the prosecutors have to be removed. They got to they got to get off the case. Um, and so now he's going into some of the details. Um, yeah, sure. Let's go ahead. I'll bring it back up. Let's see what he's saying. They came up with a cash theory. Cash theory only only raised. Before we get into that, let me ask you this. Um, let me ask you. Let's this. say they couldn't have. This is the judge. The theory wasn't even there that they had paid it back or that there had been any exchange. Is should there first be a consideration of a materiality requirement? No. Have you seen not. that in this jurisdiction? Or any, well, not in, it's not in this jurisdiction. Have you seen that in any other jurisdiction? I haven't seen that, Judge. And if it was six dollars, that would still be improper. Would it be improper where it's a per se disqualification if someone you know buys their boss a stick of gum? Is that per se disqualifying because there's no materiality requirement? It, it, well, no, I, I, I don't don't disagree that it may not meet a materiality requirement, but it's a personal benefit. I won't say that giving a pack of gum a six dollars stick just, of gum justification for disqualifying a district attorney. I think that's part of the issue, Judge. I think it's a fact based inquiry by you so there's a continuum involved here yeah I, I, but i think i think the continuum involves you looking at whether or not um on the grand scheme in the grand scheme of things it violates the constitution and whether or not what, what there's an appearance uh of a conflict and, and the, the appearance suggests that she actually received the there you go. and we know that she did so it's like gender it. just tell them it's like gender they it's a spectrum they, she said she got a benefit and she said she paid back certain amounts it, it, so it, but can't prove regard, your honor i don't know would a hundred dollars be enough would two hundred dollars be enough i think you have to look at it um globally and and consider all of the witnesses consider all of the facts yeah i mean a six dollar stick of gum while completely overpriced but i don't know the atlantic gum market uh, as it were but a uh, $6 stick of gum, I think, is different materially than thousands of dollars, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of trip expenses. You know, I think there's a difference. Dollar amount. Look no further. There has to be a totality of the circumstances analysis. I think I think it's fact specific, Judge. I, I don't really want you to pin me down. I got to say also, I don't like the fact that everybody keeps calling this guy judge. I mean, I know he is a judge. I just remember covering a trial one point and one of the lawyers kept calling the judge judge and the judge finally got ticked off and called the lawyer lawyer <laughs> just said, okay, lawyer. And the message was received. And from then on out, they called the judge your honor, right? Which I think is a better. It's just that that's that. I think that's the better way to go. I think you should call the judge your honor rather than judge. Okay. Judge. Cause you, that, that, it would be like calling, Somebody by their job title, and that's just weird. Except for police officers, you can call them officer, which is because you don't call a firefighter firefighter. You do call the mayor, though. Yes, mayor. Sometimes Mr. Mayor, though, or Madam Mayor, Madam President, Mr. President, Mr. Judge. How about that? We'll call him Mr. Judge. How about, yeah. We'll just call him your wife. I'll resist the temptation uh, to defend my wife, um, and who I believe to be an excellent lawyer and a member of the bar for 20 years um, in good standing. But I will say this, Judge, you don't just evaluate the credibility of the witnesses. You evaluate the credibility of the lawyers. Wait a minute. Is he talking about, is his wife a lawyer who argued some case that now he's saying was was wrong? Dude's going to be sleeping on the couch.
All right, do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out so i found out who the other lawyer was talking about his wife it's merchant the guy's name is merchant and his wife is ashley merchant who's been the lead attorney throughout the hearing so uh he made the argument about um that uh, the appearance of conflict is sufficient uh to remove the da um said that the uh, that this creates a structural impairment in the indictment. So he's trying to get the whole indictment tossed for all of the defendants down there and said that there's no paper trail to track any of the money or the reimbursements or anything and that that was specifically conjured up by Fannie Willis and, and Nathan Wade, the two prosecutors. They came up with this cash theory in order to avoid having to prove where any of the money went and or whether it was paid back, right? And they could have provided evidence to support their explanation, but they have repeatedly refused to do so. They objected at every single question that was asked of Nathan Wade's former law partner when he was on the stand, right? And they have fought every single subpoena for any kind of information. And the reason why they're doing that is because... They entered into this agreement. They entered into this racket to siphon taxpayer dollars out of the coffers to pay Nathan Wade, and she then materially benefited from that. This was her racket that she created using her boyfriend. That's their argument. Here's Steve Sadow. He is now going over the forensic evidence of misconduct, he calls it. This is Trump's attorney. Can you think of anything more that would heighten public condemnation of the defendants than alleging that defense counsel and the defendants were making their motion based on race and religion? That's as bad as it gets in Fulton County, with all due respect. He's talking about the speech that she gave at that church. Miss Willis wanted done. And remember, the state still had not responded. So then what we get from the state is we get an affidavit filed as part of their response. And that affidavit says specifically, and the affidavit is Mr. Wade, says specifically in paragraph 26 and 27 that the relationship did not begin until 2022. Right. That's it not true. acknowledges the relationship and says it didn't begin until 2022. After he was hired. And the pleading that's filed, the state's pleading and response, indicates not exactly that, but it says there was no relationship as of November 1 of 2021. And that's on page 7. So now we know that timing is the issue. 
because <coughs> Ms. Merchant made it clear that we alleged and had evidence that's, that indicated the timing was before Mr. Wade was hired, not after. So the state now has filed an affidavit and a pleading that claims post-hiring into 2022. And then Mr. Wade will us testify to the same thing under oath. Now, Ms. Yerti says it began in 2019. Why would she know? Well, she would know because she was a former friend. I know the state's going to get up here and say you can't believe, essentially what they're going to say is you can't believe any defense witness because they're defense witnesses. And only people that would tell the truth would be Wade and Willis. I suggest to you that that's not accurate. I suggest that the testimony that Mr. Wade gave and Ms. Willis gave, and I'm specifically dealing now with the timing issue, without getting into anything else, that that brought forth a true concern about their truthfulness and being what is required of a lawyer in this state, which is candor toward the tribunal. And that's 3.3 of the professional rules. Specifically, um, small a, one, make a false statement of material fact or law to a tribunal. So that's, as I posited to the court, that's the second ethical violation. And then you also have the third. 8.4 of the professional rules it says ah, it's yes. a violation of the Georgia rules of professional conduct for a lawyer to, and that's A4, engage in a professional conduct involving dishonesty, fraud, deceit, or misrepresentation. Now, do you have to find that Wade and Willis lied? No. What you need to be able to find is that there is a concern, a legitimate concern based on the evidence in this case about their truthfulness a legitimate concern about the truthfulness, which equates to an appearance of impropriety. Because once you have the appearance of impropriety under forensic misconduct, the law in Georgia is clear, that's enough to disqualify. Well, I don't know. I mean, it seems kind of open and shut to me, then. If, if just the appearance of impropriety is enough? See, this is my problem. This is why I think I probably have never been selected to be on a jury. Well, that and the fact that like, I've known people in the courtroom every time I get called in there. But besides that, this is probably why I would not make a good juror. Or maybe it's why I would make a fantastic juror, which is that, like, this guy's up there and he's saying this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I believe him. And then the next lawyer that's going to get up and is going to argue against him, I'm going to say, I don't know. They made some pretty good points, too. I think I agree with them now. <laughs> No, I mean, look, if the law, uh, and this is not going to a jury, obviously, this is just for the judge to determine. And the judge has seen the text messages that were sent by the law partner. He knows what he knows what's there. But the problem here is that the case is so publicized, right? This case is so publicized. And there are so many emotions around it. It's got Donald Trump. It's got race, right? It's got money it's got sex got all this stuff now in it and this judge is going to open himself up for all sorts of attacks one way or the other so maybe i don't know maybe that just you know do the right thing then but yeah i, I don't know because what i've seen so far it is really obvious really obvious that uh that fanny and nathan were uh were knocking boots 
and that the financial relationship and the romantic relationship began in 2019 or 2020. It goes back and that he was hired and that, yeah, the money was was used to hire him in order, and, and then she she got benefit. I think it's pretty obvious. All right, let me go from Fanny to Pooty Poot. Uh, Vladimir Putin, um, in the year June, sorry, in the year to June 2023, 52,000 illegal migrants were recorded as entering the United Kingdom, okay? And the problem here is that the Russians, under Vladimir Putin, have taken control over these migrant smuggling routes. And they're they're getting ready with the springtime coming. They're getting ready to push a massive amount of migrants through the pipeline into Europe in order to destabilize these societies. Frontex, the European Union's border police, says it has seen Russia using migration as, quote, a lever in a larger game of influence and pressure. It comes amid growing tensions between Russia and the West, with Putin using his annual State of the Nation speech on Thursday to warn that he will use nuclear weapons if NATO countries send troops into Ukraine. Which, by the way, is what the French president suggested the other day, which is why Putin said it, right? The French president, is that Mitterrand? Is that Francois Mitterrand? I mean, that's what Biden said the other day. Oh, no, no. Biden said Mitterrand was the German. He said he was from Germany. No, it's Macron. Uh-huh. And Macron said that they may be uh, sending troops, which then prompts Pooty Poot to threaten nuclear annihilation. So this is all going very well. Story out of the UK Telegraph talking about Vladimir Putin and his mercenaries, including the Wagner Group, have been fueling migration into Europe by increasing instability and violence in parts of Africa. All right, so think about this. This is asymmetrical warfare, right? You've got the Wagner Group, you've got these mercenaries, and we knew this at uh, you know for a while that these groups were operating in these various African nations. And in doing so, they're they're murdering a bunch of people. They're destabilizing these countries and these areas, which then does what? It prompts people to flee. Well, then if you can control the migrant routes, you then have these people fleeing where you want them to go. So you're turning them into weapons, basically, in order to overload and destabilize societies. Because once you get massive amounts of people going into a country, and the vast majority of them are peace-loving, whatever, they're just fleeing violence, all of that's fine. But this is like gate-crashing. You in, in, in sending over waves and waves of thousands of people, you are able to get a couple in that otherwise might have gotten caught. But now you're able to send in operators. Um. Russia's plans to set up a Libyan militia, as seen by the Telegraph, fell through, though, when payments due to be made via the Russian Libyan Cultural Institute in Moscow were never made. So they didn't pay. (laughs) That's the thing about mercenaries, I guess. So they didn't pay. However, thousands of Wagner mercenaries have been fighting in Libya's civil war since at least 2019, 
uh, for the Russian allied general Khalifa Haftar. And the group has a stronghold in the region. The largest increase in migrants last year was through that central Mediterranean route, according to Frontex, which is the European Border Patrol, European Union Border Patrol. Um, and they noted that at 380,000, the, the number of irregular border crossings in 2023, that is the highest since 2016. They had 380,000 what they call irregular border crossings. And of that 380,000, women and children accounted for just 20% of the total. The vast majority, 80% of them, are single men. Finally, the European Parliament is in the process of passing an emergency migration and asylum management procedure to deal with the highly worrying phenomenon of the increasing role of state actors in artificially creating and facilitating irregular migration, using migratory flows as a tool for political purposes. Okay, If this has been identified in Europe, why do you think it would not also be employed here? I'm not saying the Russians are behind the migration uh, uh, flows in Central and South America. But the tactic would obviously be applicable, no? The European Union started to take action in 2021 after Belarusian leader and close Putin ally Alexander Lukashenko sent thousands of migrants from the Middle East into the EU by inviting people, mainly from Iraq, to fly to Minsk, and then he bussed them to the heavily forested border with Poland and told them to walk across. Frontex officers were deployed to Finland in November when the country was forced to close several of its border crossings with Russia after seeing a dramatic spike in the number of migrants without proper visas and documentation, mostly coming from the Middle East and Africa. Elina Voltonen, the Finnish foreign minister, said that it was, quote, undoubtedly Russia using migration as what she called hybrid warfare. And in some cases, it was actively helping migrants to travel to the border. A Frontex spokesman told the UK Telegraph that developments or these developments illustrate broader strategies that seem to be employed by state actors like Russia and Belarus aimed at stress testing the resilience of borders shared with the EU. But I'm sure nothing like that could ever happen here. All right, let's jump back to the courtroom down in Fulton County here. Oh, they got a, we got a new lawyer. It's a different Brief, defense attorney. Uh, Off-the-cuff statement in an interaction with a reporter like in Williams. That's not what we have here. We have someone who sat down, mm-hmm. wrote out her speech, yeah. wrote out her plan, who wrote, uh, sat down for uh, whether it's six, two, three, or six times with the editors of Find Me the Votes and told and got her message out about this case. Before it was He's talking to about the book that quoted Fanny uh, extensively. It's the problem that we have. We have a pattern of forensic misconduct on behalf of Ms. Willis. So, yeah. I mean, we have a pattern of public statements being made. I, I take it you or your team has, has dived in and read, read the book. I know she was asked about specific portions in it. The only case that I can find actually talking about when someone crosses the line on public comments is that Williams case. And it talks about there has to be an implication of, uh, of 
saying the defendant, a particular defendant is guilty. And it even denied it, right? So have you found any case in Georgia where they actually said that a prosecutor had gone too far in their public comments? Does one exist? Well, uh, number one, thank goodness it doesn't happen often. Sadly, it's already happened here. Now, well, in Williams, the, uh, the prosecutor had one response to an inquiry. The court found it was improper, but did not have this pattern. Now, it doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean uh, a comment about uh, the, 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 quote, guilt or innocence, although that was the pattern in, in Williams. It's the improper comments by a prosecutor. For example, in Williams, they cite the nature and consequences of forensic misconduct in prosecution of criminal case, a 1955 uh, law, uh, Columbia Law School uh, uh, article, and how prophetic that was. When, they, when, they, when William cites that case in that law school article, they talk about an, 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 an awful lot more than simply the comments about, about uh, specific guilt or references to guilt. What you have here, Your Honor, is a comment and we can't look at it in the, in the it, it doesn't I don't think this so guy's very effective if a prosecutor said I think the yeah. defendant I don't think this lawyer is very effective All right that'll do it for this episode thank you so much for listening I could not do the show without your support and the support of the businesses that advertise on the podcast so if you'd like please support them too and tell them you heard it here you can also become a patron at my Patreon page or go to the show.com again Thank you so much for listening, and uh, don't break anything while I'm gone.